Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Ruck Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Ruck Up Buttercup! Ruck Up Buttercup podcast can be found on all your favorite streaming location. As well, we are now available on Reese Across America Radio on Fridays at 11 p.m. and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find Reese Across America Radio on the iHeartRadio app, the Odyssey app, and the TuneIn app. Just search the word Re. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Sabrina coming at you live. Um, I wanted to put in a little disclosure for you guys before you start this episode. There are some trigger warnings to this episode to include mental health, including anxiety, depression, as well as suicide. So please listen to this episode with the precaution that these things will be included within the episode and things that we're talking about. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rock Up Better Cup. It's me, Sabrina. You may not be able to recognize me from my voice because I am dealing with the flu and we're just happy to be here. Um, We are here with another hard episode, um, but we're happy to have you guys back for our next season and the new year. So we're touching on a topic today that needs to be spoken about a lot more and is just kind of dusted under the rug. Um, If you've been part of the military community, you're probably well aware of that. Um, But mental health within our military, not just our spouses, um, is something that is going to be talked about today. We have an amazing guest with us. I have my friend Laura on. Um, She is a gold store wife, um, military prior military herself. Um, So we're going to have her go ahead and introduce herself and tell us kind of her military spouse journey. And then we'll kind of get into the the hard stuff of this conversation. Hi, everybody. My name's Laura. Um, I first got into like the military life um, when I became an army spouse in 2005. I married my late husband, Stephen, down in Fort Hood right before he, uh, he deployed to Iraq. And then while he was deployed, we had been talking about it for a while, but I joined the army. So I was, I was gone while he was gone. Luckily back then, because of how hard it was to like get communications over there with, you know, we didn't have great internet, you know, any of that. It was a lot of letter writing still back then that shows my age. Good Lord. (laughs) I was able to still, um, my command while I was in OSIT, let me get on the computer and like once a week, write an email, just, Hey, like, Hey, you know, got an email from my dad. He paid our bills while we're both not able to, um, you know, any updates on when you're coming back, I graduate here and, you know, all that stuff. Cause we definitely both missed each other's graduation and coming home. Cause you know, we were doing army stuff and then he passed away shortly after he got home from Iraq we'll get into that later and then I got out for a short time um because back then that was kind of the the rule like your spouse passed away so I took my I think it was 90 days was the rule that I had to wait to come back in it was a little bit longer than that I ended up going to college at Texas State kind of tossed around the idea of commissioning I was in their ROTC program we were really close to commissioning and decided you know what 
no, I don't want to be an officer. And like literally that day went to the recruiting station in San Antonio and was like, all right, what you got? And so I went back in and did dental tech because I didn't want to do my previous MOS. And yeah, so I did that for a little while. Part of the mental health stuff came into um, when I got out and then some of my heart stuff came into factor then. So I got out for good. And now I'm just a hundred percent disabled veteran. Um, I am an army spouse. Again, my husband is finishing up his last two years. He will retire with 26 years total, but 20 years active duty um, in October of 2025. So he is Definitely got that one foot out the door planning for his VA, you know, what to do on the other side life. But you got a lot of experience with the VA, so I'm sure you can help him out there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like, no, you need to go to this doctor's appointment and tell them this and do this and go do this doctor's appointment. And he is so, you know, the typical guy in the army, don't say anything, don't complain about anything, don't go to the doctor for anything. So He's like, fine, I'll go. And like, now he's realizing, oh crap, I, I really should have gone. Um, no, I definitely so. tell any of our active duty friends now anymore after Dustin got out, like, hey, report every injury, anything that is bothering tell you. Tell them everything. Yeah, put it down on paper, everything. Because Dustin was that person who did it. He was like, no, it will affect my career, da, 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 da. And then didn't put anything down. And which also has... Which also has to do with like this episode, like for so long, because oh, I was absolutely. in, I was in 06 to 09. So that was still part of, I mean, it wasn't the height of right after 9-11, but it was, no, but still, it was still like, rough. Yeah, it was, it was still, still rough. And yeah. Like I still ended up on a plane to Kuwait for 30 days even though I wasn't supposed to because I had a hole in my heart but you know here we were and then they they were like oh crap you were supposed to have heart surgery what are you doing here we can't send you to Iraq we're gonna make it look like you were never here type thing Mm -hmm. so yeah so I hung out in Kuwait for a little bit and yeah that was fun yeah, that was definitely a hard time. That was when Dustin had his big deployment and got injured. Well, not like injured, injured, but something that should have been reported and did not get reported. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> and it's like, even when you do have something wrong with you, like in my case, I had a heart condition that's called POTS. It's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And when I got out in 09, it wasn't, I mean, the name was there. Doctors didn't so much, one, know how to diagnose it very well. It wasn't, it basically wasn't a thing. And so I didn't find out until we got stationed in Germany and I saw a German cardiologist. What the hell was even wrong with me? I was just randomly passing out and I passed out one night taking a bottle back after I'd fed Alex. Like I was literally walking around with Alex in my hand, put him back down and was walking to the bathroom to go rinse out his bottle because I didn't feel like going downstairs. And I passed out, hit my head on a marble countertop and my, the back of my head on the marble floor and ha- got a severe TBI. Like if that had happened a minute sooner, I'd have had Alex in my hands. 
And they finally sent me to a German cardiologist after that. And he's like, oh, I know what you have. I was like, really? It's crazy how it just takes the right doctor. That was with my migraines. I suffered from like severe migraines all the way through high school. And all the doctors in Nebraska had no idea what was wrong with me. They thought I was having like mini strokes. They didn't know what the deal was. And then I had one migraine while I was living in Montana for the summer. And the ambulance, the the tech that was in the ambulance, she goes, oh, no, honey, you're just having a migraine. That's exactly what this is. And they like did all the CAT scans and just like, no, absolutely. So then I was able to actually get real treatment. It's just wild that like it takes one doctor and they're like, no, like, why would anybody tell you that it was these other things when it is very clearly this one thing and we can now take care of it? Yeah. And then so once once my primary care doctor over there got word what it was, he was active duty. He was a captain. And he was like, what do I need to write for you? Because like, we, we need to get this to the VA. And by that point, I had already hired an attorney um, to help me fight the VA because it was, it was, that was a struggle bus, but my attorney was amazing. Um, and it was, it was crazy because like one good doctor can change everything. Like if that doctor hadn't fought to find out what was wrong with me and just kind of gave up like the army doctors at Fort Sam did, I was beginning to start to think, was this all in my head? Like, am I getting in my head so much that I'm making myself pass out? No, you're not. But I didn't know. I mean, I was getting told that I was having panic attacks and that's why I was passing out. That's what my, my command was telling me. That's what the army had told me for all those years. But you know, anxiety medicine and stuff wasn't doing anything because it wasn't that. I mean, yes, it helped with anxiety because I was, you know, fearful all the time. Like, where am I going to pass out? But it didn't help with the passing out. That still happened, which, you know, led to all, all the nerve damage and all the back stuff that I have to deal with. Um, but yeah, that doctor actually, um, I didn't have my, my hearing for the VA until 2020. And so he saw me in 2013. I didn't have that hearing till 2020 my attorney kept in contact with this captain he was long passed out of the army and he came and testified um in my congressional hearing for me that's good I was leadership. Like, that's amazing I was like, oh my god <laughs> yeah and like by the time he got done talking about like what the quality of life is for a person who has this and how you know it can mentally drain you because you know you see all these doctors and they're like well we don't know well maybe it's this um <clears throat> dude the judge was crying I was like yes I have my hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent I was like you made the judge cry we're good and it does it goes back to that when you're talking about the VA is the reason that a lot of military members don't get the hundred percent or don't get anything is because they're not reporting and that is absolutely like you're saying has to do with mental health because I absolutely know the reasons that Dustin can't get PTSD, although he absolutely has PTSD, is because he didn't report it when he was in because he didn't want to deal with command. He didn't want to deal with losing his job. Um, even now, he hasn't really done much with it because, again, he still has a security clearance and he doesn't want to worry about losing his job. Um, and that kind of ruins mental health because they can't seek mental health to get over the situations that they're encountering unless it's reported. And so it is kind of the way the military runs mental health is just not, it's not working. So back when my late husband um, got home from Iraq, that was still the, oh, we don't talk about. Like, oh yeah, it's like it was Bruno definitely thing. not talked about back then. 
it, it was Bruno. They didn't talk about it. And it's like, if you did bring it up, you were labeled a wimp or a dirtbag or a shitty soldier or you were just, you were trying to get out of work. Okay, no. I mean, yes, did, did that happen? Absolutely, there were people who pushed the system. There still are. There's um, always going to be people like There's that. always those people. Like, some people's children. It, it, they're there. But for the people who actually needed it, i.e. my late husband, on the day that he died, he basically got told by behavioral health at Fort Hood, we can't help you. Stop coming. You just need to go to work. Like, you're trying to get out of work. Stop with the excuses and just go to work. Like, they, he was literally telling them, if you let me leave here, I'm going to kill myself. They were like, no, go to work. So I was at my parents' house um, because we had a Houdini dog. And also, as you can imagine, if you're going through all this, you've kind of gotten a little grumpy in your attitude towards people. And we had had like an argument and I don't deny that. I didn't, you know, I've told his family like, hey, yeah, we were having some rough times. Like it was, I went to my parents' house they lived like an hour and a half away from here. They still do. And um, I was like, we just both needed to calm our jets because, you know, I was telling him like, hey, you need to get help so that we can get past this. But he was trying to get help and that wasn't working. So yeah, it was just a picking time bomb that of hot mess. I also don't, his leadership was absolutely garbage. And I'll get to, to like that, like there's, events even after his death that now I look back and I'm like holy crap what the hell and and that led to my PTSD so he obviously he left that behavioral health appointment feeling like ignored no one cared like ignored no one cared like you know I hate myself they hate me the the hell's the point on the way home he got pulled over by a state trooper Got a ticket, did so that just you know piled onto it. I was waiting to get a phone call from him because we were actually gonna you know sit down. He was planning to the next day come up to my parents' house because my dad is an attorney, but he worked as um, a mediator for the courts for God knows how long. So my dad was really good at just sitting with people and talking. And my dad was like, "Hey, why don't y'all both come up here?" we'll talk like obviously that probably looking back like hey probably wasn't the right person to pick but hey you know at the time we I was trying we were trying to fix it but yeah that probably didn't help thinking that you know my dad was gonna you know be the be in the room while we're talking you know that's probably a lot but looking back I wouldn't want to walk into that situation um But I ended up, I got a very, I wouldn't say it was like weird text message from Steven, but it was like, do we have any rope? And I was like, basically my reply was a a lot along the lines of, it kind of depends on what more information you give me after this on if I'm going to tell you where it is. And so I was like, um... 
I I think so. Why? Type of thing. Kind of just trying to see because I kind of still knew where the headspace he was and rope didn't sound like a great idea. And so I was I was like, um, I don't know why. And he was like, oh, well, you know, um, I'm going to do some training with our dog, Casey, um, in the back of the truck, but I don't want to use her leash because it, it was one of the retractable ones. So like that obviously wasn't going to work to tie her into the truck so that she wouldn't jump out. Cause we were trying to teach her to ride in the back of the truck. Cause she was a farm dog like that. She was a cattle dog. So we wanted to teach her to ride in the back, like get up into the truck and, you know, ride back there. I was like, okay, that actually sounds like a legitimate thing. I was like, well, if we have any, it's in the shed. He's like, okay, cool. I'll let you know when we're done. Like nothing. I mean, uh, there were some red flags. I kind of ish, but it was like, okay, that was weird, but was it type thing? So I overthought it a lot, especially after. And so I called his unit. I was like, hey, did he go to his appointment today? And they're like, yeah, it didn't go well. I was like, well, can you send somebody to check on him? Because, like, I'm not there. I'm at my parents' house. Can you, like, do a health and welfare, please? They just kind of, they were like, oh, well, we'll see him at PT in the morning. They blew me off. I had called his chaplain because I knew his number. I couldn't get through to him, but I left him a message. I instantly called my command, and I was like, hey, not your job, but can you do this? And they're like, we're on it. By the time he, Stephen had sent me that text message, the time I talked to my commander or my commander and first sergeant and the time my first sergeant got to my house, I'd say a span of five minutes. He was yeah. already dead. Yeah. I mean, at least your command had the right idea. Like I if mean, someone is that genuinely concerned. Life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, then everybody went radio silent and I knew because there's procedures that have to take place. And because of the time of death, there's only, there's a notification window in the military. It's, I believe it's 10 PM to 6 AM. They don't do notifications because, you know, waking somebody up in the middle of the night to that, not a good idea. Plus the fact that I wasn't home. I wasn't there. My unit knew where I was, but that would involve somebody, them getting, you know, a chaplain and a CAO and a, somebody to notify up to my parents' house, which also involves notifying local police that it's going to happen. So it obviously them going radio silent because I was an MP. I knew the procedures. I knew I was sitting on my parents' front porch when the Waxhatch Police Department and um, the notification team came. I was like, yep, I already knew. And it's like, looking back, I don't even, that gap of time, I signed some crap. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> um, I think I think later on, my, my CAO, who I am still friends with, like, that is a trauma bond 
you don't lose because he had young kids at the time and like a CAO usually they stick around for you know it, it it's a, like maybe a few weeks I think he checked on me for years um again wasn't his official job anymore but he just did because he's a good person he explained to me later that I, I think I signed some stuff for like the life insurance stuff I I don't know they shove so much stuff at you like all at once they're like on behalf of the nation you know we're we're and President George W. Bush we're sorry for your loss blah blah blah, blah all that stuff and then like, they're like okay and now we need to do all this and it's it's a binder this thick that you have to go through all these like classes and things and you're just like huh why because you know they have x amount of days to do all this crap afterwards and it's like dude can i breathe which is wild you know like they put into all this effort of like the closing out of getting rid of the soldier right essentially like this is we're yeah. out processing and basically whatever that is and but we couldn't put in the energy to see this person who desperately needed to be seen we couldn't go check up on him when there was an obvious outcry for help like it's so wrong <laughs> like to push it, it, it in spouse and be like well it was your problem now and you need to sign all these documents to prove that it's done and uh yeah you're not the only one either like you think about um we talk about gold star families I think the huge percentage of them is suicide is you talk about that 22 soldiers a day that's not a joke that's not just a propaganda that is what and is I happening. don't even I think it's 24 now like it's, it's steadily gone up and so spouses that are ending up in the gold star program aren't from killed in action, which is what we're kind of talked about, you know, as a spouse, we kind of not trained, but we, we get, we learn about how to experience how that would go. Um, but it's not, it's happening on the home front a whole lot more. Oh yeah. Like the war at home is one we're desperately losing. And it's like, everybody's like, well, it's never going to get fixed. So why try is basically the mentality. Like, nowadays, as far as, like, how it was in 07 when Steven died to now when my husband's in, it's like, oh, yeah, we have behavioral health. Like, it's readily available. It won't hurt your career. But there's, like, an asterisk right there when they say it won't hurt your career. It's like, unless you want to do any of this, and then, yes, it will. And it's like, if it's going to hurt my career, why am I going to do it? But I need the help. But... I want to do recruiting or I want to, you know, be a drill sergeant or, but I've seen behavioral health in the last six months because God forbid my, my child got diagnosed with um, a medical issue and I'm struggling. So you go see behavioral health to, you know, help you so that you can be there for your kid or, you know, anything like it's not even a big like work thing. It's just, Hey, I need a little support for this. And, Oh, well now you can't do you can't go to the school and you're like well you told me that it wouldn't hurt my career yeah there's fine print yeah and it's but like well you know then what was the point it's super and unfortunate so I think it, it really is like I've seen it happen over and over again like they reached out for help but well and like what sucks about that too is it, it it all comes down to your command team too like if you have somebody who 
is, you know, no, this is a serious matter. We need to take care of it. Or if you have someone who's that typical old army, old, like, no, we don't talk about it. Um, I definitely think that plays a huge role. Um, You know, even just in recent times, you know, that uh, you know, the draw, the, the evacuations in Afghanistan, like the things that they saw there, like they pushed so much for evaluations. Like every soldier had to go through, they went through like two evaluations, like one, when they got to like back to Kuwait and then another one when they got home. Um, and you see, you see them adding in new things, but there's still that caveat. There's still that. But if I, if I, if I do accept the help, where does that leave me for my career? Where does that yeah. leave me? And, and I think right now they've tried to change it where, okay, well, you haven't seen behavioral health in six months. So the flag dropped off and it's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But what if I need it again? Hmm. If I need the help again, like I'm good now, but you never know when that stuff's going to just come and tap you on the shoulder and be like, today we're not going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some careers, it does completely, it would mess up their job. Like Dustin, if he were to have PTSD on her record, then because of his position in Intel, he would not be able to have any jobs. And the unfortunate thing is all he's trained in is this Intel stuff. So what does that leave us? It leaves us nowhere. Like there would be no jobs for him. The VA doesn't want to, well, his whole problem with the VA was that he deployed when his papers were going through and they're like, okay, here's your date. He's like, I am in Iraq. And they were like, oh, well, that doesn't matter. So you're back at zero and you have to start all over. So the VA is not friendly to getting the process going either. So, And and I will say that as far as on the VA side, like this was definitely not a thing until recently. Um, I believe it's called the now for the military, for the the active duty side, I believe it's called the Brandon Act where no, if, if sans or buts, if you say you need help, to any facility like if it's a military hospital a regular hospital like your command it can go just take a seat at the door basically um we're gonna get you the help and then you're like your command can't just yank you out of the hospital and be like uh no you're coming back because i've seen that happen i've seen a soldier go into an er say i'm going to kill myself and their command show up and be like uh we need you at staff duty that's wild yeah and I'm like, what? So now, and I do believe it was it was passed and it's called the Brandon Act. But um, when when Trump was in office for the VA, at least he passed or he signed a law that basically said that we don't have to go to the VA to get help because of the wait times, like they're ridiculous. And that's when community care started getting so much better. And like, especially for mental health, like, we don't even have to wait for the referral. We can just go find somewhere, get the help, and send the bill to the VA. Right. We saw that for sure when um, Ashley and I were really involved at the Cohen Clinic. And I don't know if there's one there in Texas, but there's one in Bragg. And they definitely are going out and, like, grabbing people from yeah. the VA that are, can't get appointments to see yes. them um, to to support that, that situation. Yeah. Well, and, like, that's, I mean, thankfully, you know, behavioral health, is something that you don't have to go through the avenue of the military. I mean, you could go way outside of it and pay for help, but you know, again, the army people are not full of money. So, um, 
but I Conan Clinic has been doing a great job and they're at a lot of locations and they're virtual as well. Um, so if you're listening, you can always reach out to them. Um, they do a lot of virtual. Um, yeah. Um, if you're not one of their locations. I also have a, um, a child who has mental health issues. Like um, he's autistic, but then he's my, my ex-husband did a number on my son's mental health. So he needed a lot of counseling just to get back to all the great things that he's accomplished today. Um, and trying to find help for that was insane. We're lucky I found a great, amazing counselor and all that. Yeah, it's just, it's insane. There's definitely on both the military and the civilian side, there is a huge lack of providers for mental health. No, I think there is. I think there's some amazing resources. Good providers. Like, yeah, there's some amazing resources like Military One Source and things that you can get get access to. But there is, I think, especially it's a good thing. It's a good thing because after 2020, a lot of people have been seeking mental health. Um, and so there has been a like influx of people who are speaking to counselors and therapists, and that's great. That's great for our nation. That's great for the world. But it does leave people who desperately need it, especially active duty, who are looking for the resources themselves when mental health doesn't do what it's supposed to do itself. Yeah. Um, again, waiting. And the wait is the problem, like you talked about with your husband. Um, it's not that he wasn't getting seen as a, you know, he needed to be seen then. It wasn't, okay, I can be seen in six weeks. It's no, there, I need help now. And if I can't get help, these are the, you know, the circumstances of that. Yeah. And, you know, they, while his death was ruled a suicide, um, it also had, you know, it had the asterisk on there that said, you know, uh, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to remember exactly how they phrased it because I don't look at that death certificate unless I absolutely have to. They said it was like due to medical negligence type. It, I mean, they didn't put negligence because then, you know, that would actually admit that they did something wrong. <laughs> um, they, but they didn't put like due to mental con- or a medical condition either. So they weren't throwing it, the blame on him, but it was, it was worded weirdly where it wasn't, you know, just the suicide. Like they owned a little bit, but they didn't, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, that was our bad, but just kidding. Kind of like it was, and that was a weird time. Like as things went on, I found out more and more. And even, even like, as I, as the years went on, I found out little bits here and there. Like I got pulled into CID for, to give a statement on like where I was and all this. And again, I was an MP. We wrote these statements all day, every day, like giving a statement was like brushing your teeth. Like you do it every day. Like you write situation, like what, you know, you went to a call, this is what happened. You, there's paperwork. So I get in there and this, this, oh my God, this lady was evil. Like, and it was really weird because they left me with my cell phone, which you, they don't do. But then they also put me in an interrogation room, which I'm the surviving spouse here. Like, huh? It was, it was, it was really weird. They had me write my statement on, you know, I was at my parents' house. This is what Stephen had said. The last thing Stephen had said to me, his mental state, like, you know, all the, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's type of, so they could close the case. 
I mean, it was 100% straight up. Steven couldn't get the behavioral health help he needed, so he committed suicide. Like, textbook. I never went, I still to this day, it happened May 17th of um, 07. I still to this day have never been back to that house. I have panic attacks if I go on West Fort Hood. I just can't. But, so the army packed up all my stuff, obviously, because, you know, my house, because we had an on-post house. The CID agent was like, well, we need you to identify the body. I was like, no, you can have his command do that. I know 100% I have that right to ask that his commander and first sergeant can identify him. I don't have to. Sorry, not going to happen. Like, that's a hard no. Like, I don't care if you're telling me I have to. It's not going to happen. Like, no. And then my my um, CAO showed up with my first sergeant. And they're like, okay, she's done. You know, and she's like, the CID, I remember hearing in the hallway, the CID agent going, well, she wrote that statement a little too perfect. And thinking, what, that I told you the line of events from the last 24 hours that I did? Right, okay. like it's your job. I mean, you knew what to do, how to write them, right? So. I, I, I'm sorry, I filled out a form the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I have 100% disability, because I filled out the form the right way. Yeah, and I remember just being like, oh my God, hurry up and open this door. So I get out of there and as I'm getting up, she grabs her folder and I didn't know what this folder was. And she like, she deserves an Emmy for this like little fall, like stumble thing move she pulled. Like I've seen NFL guys put on a better performance and she drops the folder, crime scene photos everywhere. And I'm like, really? Really? So there's my, my PTSD writing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But so that's um, wild, though, that they would want you to come in. There's no reason, like you said, command knows who he is. They know better, like, but how like, to. why did you need my statement? Absolutely. Did you really think my, and at the time, I weighed, I weighed less than when you met me. Like, I weighed 85 pounds soaking wet, maybe, back then. And I, you know, I had to get a waiver to join the army. Like, I didn't weigh enough to join the army. There's apparently a waiver for that. And I got it. But it's like, you really are telling me that I lifted him to unalive himself? And to get, no. Right. How, and, how? I mean, your command knew where you were and everything. So Yeah. Like, I was notified at my parents' house. I was the one who called. Which is super sad because you were active duty. And so you're looking at that like it's the same with the mental health. Like, we're still not prioritizing, even though this was the main issue of this whole like why he unalived himself uh, and you're pushing it onto another military member causing the I same issues. Paperwork before I got the paperwork to bury Steven. I got discharged from the army before they buried him. Like that's how quick they just whipped up some crap. Yeah. And it's like, cause I mean, yes, I was reserves, but I was activated. So yeah, there was like the, okay, we're just going to take, you know deactivate you get you out of the reserves blah 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 blah. but it's like that whole situation oh and through all this you hear my command was doing things the only time i heard from his command they needed the keys that were at my house that steven had for something at the hangar this is where the loss of you hear about soldiers 
losing their give a fuck Mm-hmm. that's when mine mine went bye-bye i marched into their office I, through the keys at the commander and was like and i think there is yeah. it definitely depends on command but i definitely think there's a specific base which is that one that has a lot <laughs> of mental health problems because uh dustin had the same issue and that's the reason we got out was command did not give a fuck about anything they just yeah. it was like whatever made us get promoted we didn't care how that felt like caused the people below us to have issues we who you threw under the bus base? any of that yeah are you talking about your least favorite base yes yeah okay. i'm on the same page now which is uh, where i currently still am my yeah. my, oh, my husband oh, sorry. here yeah but my current husband his commander is freaking awesome like when he found out that i am a gold star family member immediately because my my husband doesn't do funeral details because he doesn't want it to affect me. He, yes, he is in charge of sending his soldiers to do that, but all he gets is, hey, we have one. Can you put two people on it? And honestly, like, even if he had to do the funeral details, they're usually for like 90 year old men that died yeah. in like some place in Texas. We just need somebody from the military to go take their flag. Would that affect me? No, because it's not the same situation that situation yeah. but yeah. i do appreciate his command being like hey we're not gonna pull that ptsd flag like we don't know what's gonna trigger her so we're just gonna leave that you're good just send somebody which i appreciate because like even though they don't have to they did yeah and like he's I guess his commander is, you know, he's, he, he's young, he's new. He still has all his fucks to give still. I'm in the old crusty, don't give a fuck veteran category now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, you've been through this situation. If I ever have to, what are some tips you could give me? Like he tries to, he never wants to be put in that situation where he has to be, you know, somebody in his unit, you know, they have to be notified but honestly like the like car said, the chances and, the chances are the high stupidity around here yeah yeah insanely high so i mean yeah it would probably be you know a car wreck or something like that again also the unaliving yourself thing is high here because it's special <laughs> <laughs> but you know i really appreciated this young this young commander being like hey i have a real life person in front of me not some you know book they give us or some death by powerpoint let me ask them what in their situation happened that they appreciated and what could have been better which is amazing as a leader to see that someone is trying to carry you yeah yeah i was like oh it's cute that you'll lose that later but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know i i know you care now but eventually i'm sorry it, it will go away but it was nice to see you know him learn from that yeah like I'm... it's been so many years now like i can offer that information i can talk to y'all about it um there's still certain things that won't ever get talked about but that's just more no one needs to know so 
No, but this um, topic in general needs to be talked about, I think. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm really grateful for you to come on. It's a hard, a hard story to tell people. And but they're like we were talking about, there's going to be spouses who unfortunately are going to find themselves in your situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and it really sucks because like afterwards you're like, OK, but now what do I do? And like I got lucky that I'm the type of person that the hard things make me fight harder like tell me I'm not going to do something and I'm (laughs) I mean tell you to hold my beer and I'm gonna go do it it's gonna be you know handcrafted by me beer but you know whatever (laughs) I had to throw that one out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you guys don't know Laura owned an amazing brewery there at Fort Hood which is super cool (laughs) but it's just like I 100% believe that all all the crap that I had to go through then put me where I am now. And I have had, I've had friends who are still active duty being like, Hey, I have a soldier who I feel is in crisis, but they're female. And I don't know how to help them without it. Like, I don't want to be, make it weird. Can I give them your number? I'm like, heck yeah, let's go. Like, do I need to get in the car? Or do I need to like, where are we going? And I love that my friends that are still active duty, even if they're not, here at Fort Hood they could be anywhere feel like hey like this person needs help can you help them absolutely I mean I don't care if it would be my worst enemy if they're having feelings of they're gonna hurt themselves we gonna get you help I'm still gonna go back to not liking you afterwards but we're gonna get you the help like I'm gonna get you to a safe spot so that I can go back to not liking you because I'd rather not like you alive than yeah. yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is if you do feel like your spouse or a friend or somebody who is in the military needs help to advocate for them, find some way if they're, they don't even have to go through their command. If there's ways that you can find a way to help talk to the chaplain, I mean, and there's suicide awareness, like the hotlines and stuff, find the right resource, whatever that is in that moment. Yeah. To prevent whatever you can to like, you got to fight. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard fight to fight. And you, like you were talking about it, you have to be very sensitive about what is going to be the wrong thing to say and what's the right thing to say, but you have to do yeah. something. Yeah. And, and, you know, going through things like this, um, I've had people ask me, they're like, well, how, how do you, how do you be okay afterwards? And I'm like, um, you want the real answer or do you want the, the like, oh, you just figure it out. Like, no, did you know, was there alcohol for me afterwards? Absolutely. I was freaking widowed at, I had just turned 20. Yeah. So what <laughs> later, later in my later twenties and into my, my early thirties, my mom's friends would like lose their spouse and they would call me because they were like, what do I do? I know you've done this. And I'm like, Ugh why do I have to be that person but then I was like you know I have let me let me help you okay like I wish somebody had for me and it's like it's a shitty thing to go through and I definitely wouldn't wish it on anybody especially that young because good lord it's still it feels like a lifetime ago because it's been I'm coming up on you know almost 20 years now since it happened that feels like a whole different person (laughs) from there but I'd say like the biggest thing that I wish the military would do is have one of us gold star family members that is willing to go help the new person. 
because yeah your CAO is is there but they're not all like mine they're not like they got voluntold for this it's a shitty job and you have some spouses that do that like you you see yeah and and I'm on the list I'm on the list here but they never call us that's the thing it's like they don't I've been curious about that, like what it, what the gold star community looks like. I've heard some people have found like that community where they are able to like speak to like, other there's spouses. There's an email but... I get, but it's mm-hmm. like, it feels like a mass email that you're just kind of included in. And it's like, so it's it, not as much it's of like a community. More like, oh, these are the community events that are going on on post, just so you know. Like I could have yeah. looked on Facebook and seen all those, those like, it, it's not. It feels like an advertisement bulletin, not a, hey, we let's get together and help. I mean, until two years ago, I couldn't, my, my late husband's buried here on 195. I couldn't even go to the, the, the cemetery. Two years ago, well, now almost three, this Christmas will be three. I went out there because they have the opportunity when they do the wreaths around America for Christmas, mm-hmm. they let the family members go and do theirs first. That was the first one I had ever done. Stephen was one of the first people buried out there when the cemetery here opened. I think he was within like the first 100 people buried there. So it's like, and like I had a plot next to Stephen for a really long time. And then I, uh, a few years ago, I was like, you know what? No, no, I'd rather be, yes, I'm still going to be buried here, but I'd rather be buried next to my current husband. That let let people surround Stephen. Like, go ahead and fill that plot in. And they did. Like, I mean, obviously, that cemetery has grown exponentially. Unfortunately, um, since 2007 when it opened, but they have done a great job out there. Um, it still looks amazing. They do events out there to just you know make it look nice. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that Reese Across America let the family members do that, which is really, really nice to hear because we, I don't know if you know, but we work with Reese Across America and they, this time of year, if you guys are around and I think it's probably this week, was it last week? Maybe I missed it, but, uh, and this will they be got, up obviously, but right. Yeah. This together, will obviously yeah. be up after all of that has happened. But if you ever have the chance to volunteer they're they're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for people to donate wreaths and stuff too. So and yeah. that you don't understand how much that means to those families to look to go out to the graveyard around Christmas time and see that people remember and people care. Um, even my mom going out and seeing my grandpa with the wreath, she goes out there every year and it, it means the world to her. And that's been, you know, years and years. So that is one of those oh, places that we we definitely advocate for and makes a big difference in the holiday season. My hmm. my stepdaughter just said that the Coppers Cove High School put wreaths together. That's awesome. Yeah, you'll see you'll vo- those volunteers come from all over. Girl Scouts, um, we we work with them as well. Yeah, so no, I think they usually lay them after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's like usually sometime the first week of December. Um, this week it, it's on the twenty fifth, so it's Saturday. Okay. Oh, that means I have to go. Okay, now I have to plan. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Just because this is a military thing, I am gonna give one shout out. It's an underappreciated organization, the Fisher House. The Fisher House is such a great organization. So when Stephen died, obviously he died at my house. My house was a crime scene. 
the Fisher House is usually typically reserved for people whose service member is in the hospital. The Fisher House is like, hey, we have room, send her to us. I lived in the Fisher House for two weeks until they could get me a hotel room at the base hotel. So I was very appreciative to them because they made sure that the people there, again, like I said, they were, you know, it's reserved for people whose spouse is injured and they're in, in the hospital getting better. They made sure that people knew like, Hey, don't go up to her and say, we hope they get better. (laughs) Just don't say that to her. Like she's here. Yes. But she doesn't have a person that's trying to fight for their life just let her be which I was appreciative of because it happened once and I was like what do I say <laughs> like do I make it awkward or do I just like smile and not probably the sarcastic me now would have said something dark humor but you know I just kind of awkwardly smiled and nodded like when people thank you for your service we're just like yeah thanks <laughs> we don't know what to say um but you know they they were amazing to to even you know, it was outside of their realm. When I was in Germany, back when my son was being diagnosed with his rare GI disease, we got to stay at the Fisher house um, on Launchstool while he was undergoing procedures, trying to figure out what was, what was up. And like, we didn't have to pay anything. Like we were already, you know, five hours from home. They, you know, not having to worry about paying for a hotel, you know, was, was very nice. So if you are of the donating type and you're looking to donate to some organization, donate to the Fisher House. Yep, they're amazing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of getting towards the end and I really appreciate you like telling us your story. We always kind of go back to, as a military spouse, um, some word of advice that you would give to a military spouse. And I think we'll go with within the circumstances, right? A gold star or someone like if they just became a gold star, because I think this episode is going to reach those people if they, you know, are looking for support. Um, so what would your advice to get through those impossible days? Other people that have been through it are out there. Find us we're here because at least in this local area I think I only know of two and you know in this the greater Fort Hood area there's more of us Mm -hmm. but I can only think of two and we always check in on each other that's not enough yeah And 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 what's funny is we're all veterans too so I think that kind of bonded us too as you know we we all served we all lost a family member So we all kind of just kind of make sure we're all okay. But you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be, you know, all those things. If if you're a Gold Star family member and you need something or just to vent, reach out. One of us will, one of us will pop up on the internet. Like you can even post it anonymously on Facebook. Like we'll find you. (laughs) Because there was for a long time, like, I felt like it was a scarlet letter. Because I was so young, like I definitely feel in the last couple of years, you see a lot more gold star families, spouses, gold star kids being a little bit more vocal, more like, hey, this is a great organization, or hey, we got to do this today because of X, Y, and Z. And you see a lot yes. more people post about it than you did 10 years ago, for sure. Um, it wasn't talked about 
just like how the like mental health wasn't talked about like a lot of things were just like not talked about talked about and I I love seeing a lot of these organizations coming out and doing including gold star families because they're still part of the they're still part of our military family uh, even though they lost their service member um, which is why we include gold star families in the deployed love holiday minis and you know there are so many other organizations that you know if you need a resource out there there's reach out to any military organization if they're yeah. affiliated with a military organization whether it's a veteran or whatever they're going to be able to help you get to the right right person or connect you with another gold star family if you don't know anybody or have that network yeah. to deal with, to utilize and and like i kind of learned the hard way that there were there were resources out there but now that i know it's like why didn't people tell me Mm-hmm. but yeah so it is what it is at this point right yeah I mean yeah. I know now and all that but it's like it's just another I was telling somebody the other day it's like I've had all these like I'm a gold star family member I'm a veteran I'm an army spouse I feel like they're they're designators after my name kind of like you know titles yeah <laughs> I'm like uh it's all that because it's like I'll go somewhere and they're like okay well are you this this or this and I'm like I'm all three <laughs> yes all of the what do I pick all like, of is, is there a better option on here like which one gets me better service I guess I don't know like which which one do you want me to check I was like until I had that happen I was like wait crap I am all three it's crazy yeah it's like which they're like which ID do you want me to scan? <laughs> I have one for all three. <laughs> do you have one for all three? I have one for all three. Goodness. Mm. Yeah, I have my VA ID. I have my. So I'm I'm also a part of a a, a veteran Facebook group, and the the term that I just learned was. I'm I'm a vet penda, not a dependa. So it's veterans who are now dependents. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm that too. So I have that ID and then I have the surviving spouse ID. <laughs> and I'm like, which one do you want me to scan? Which one do I use to get on base? They all work. Yeah. I just keep one in my my car so when I forget. That's that smart, because that's always the worst. <laughs> yeah I have one left in my car so I can always get on post if I have to because <laughs> that's the worst I hate that yeah. all right well thank you for coming on I know you have a busy rest of your day um we will have all the resources that we've talked about as well as I will reach out to Laura and any resources that she knows specifically for gold star families um in our show notes did you guys have access to that because like Laura said you may not know what that is until you need it so we will have that um in our show notes where you can actively get to it um, as well. Also, one thing I didn't know in Texas, if you are a surviving spouse, you can get help with your property taxes. I obviously am 100% disabled, so I didn't have to use that one. But I did find out because I saw it on the form. If you are a surviving spouse and you take that information, I don't know what the discount is, but there is a discount on Texas property taxes, which are god awful for that. So and I'm sure almost every state has something similar lined up I'm for sure. services. Yeah. 
But I saw that when we were doing the 100% for mine. I was like, oh, that would have been nice to know. Mm-hmm. I've owned two different houses in this state and no one ever told me. <laughs> yeah. But that's there. Well, thank you for coming on and talking to us. It's a hard conversation, but it needs to be be talked about. So yeah, it definitely does. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Welcome back to our season four. And we have lots of really cool episodes coming up the rest of the season. So we look forward to talking to all of you guys. And as we like to say, ruck up, buttercup.